Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all the live viewers on with us today. And hello, replay viewers, and hello, Gemma. Hey. How are you tonight? Um, not too bad. Better than you, I guess. Couple <laughs> work, but anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> so, just in case, uh, there's not a whole lot of folks probably in here just yet, but. For the replay viewers, at least, if you see me get up and leave in the middle of the broadcast, Gemma's got it under control. Uh, I got called yeah. into work tonight, um, helping out. Uh, we had a <clears throat> my department had a line of duty death, so um, yeah. So I am at the station right now, filling in. Um, anywho, before that does happen, let's get into tonight. Um, tonight we're having a special guest on with us. Jim in Chicagoland is here. Um, and you and Jim share something in common, yes? Yeah, we do, yeah. Um, so. My son is still going through it, but Jim has been a huge support to me and Thomas because my son was diagnosed with leukemia in 2019. And Jim's daughter has also fought that. And like that's how we really started talking. I mean, I knew of Jim before that. He probably didn't have a clue who I was. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, like when he was diagnosed, Jim reached out to me and was a huge support for getting through a lot of what I have so far. But Thomas is still going through it. He's still got till next year, hopefully just till next year to um, get through the treatment and everything. So yeah. Right. so yeah, that's what we are going to be discussing tonight is diagnoses mm -hmm. in uh, your children and what that is and what it's like. And so without any further ado, let's bring in our guest for this evening. Yeah. Here's Jim. Well, good hey. morning. Hello, Jim. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Hello, everybody. Hello, Tim. Hello, Gemma. Thank you for hey. having me. Hello. Well, How are you, you tonight? Rob Tracy. Hi, Bo. Hi, everybody in the virtual studio audience. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Thanks for joining us. It is, uh, it's an honor to have you on. Um, you know, a lot of us, or a lot of my viewers at least, are also in your broadcasts. So we've all <clears throat> been on Saturday Night Trivia and seen Ashley uh, having a great time and uh, yeah. Just her, her laughter is infectious and um, just an amazing young lady. Um, would you like to, uh, we'll just start, jump right in. Would you like to tell us the story of Ashley's travel here? Oh my goodness, absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, Tim, Gemma, everybody here, thank you so much for joining us this evening here. Make sure you guys are supporting and subscribing to Tim and Gemma, everybody. They are bringing a unique and compelling subject to this platform every week here, guys. It's on mental health. Uh, Lucia also does a great job of mental health. And there's some others on this platform that are, are doing that too. So make sure that you support those people, bring them to the forefront, and create awareness and everything here for everybody in this room, because everybody in this room, whether you're here with us or if you're in our virtual studio audience, you have a story and people need to hear about it. And it can't just be inside, it can't be contained. You're safe with us. And when you get it out, you're gonna feel much better. And uh, it's it's a long path for many of us, but you'll be able to overcome. And we are here to listen, to learn, and to support you guys. So Absolutely. just, yeah. So, so just a story <clears throat> about my daughter. She was born back in, God, 2006. She's now 15 years of age. Uh, Ashley was diagnosed with ALL leukemia back on, uh, in December of 2008. So uh, the bone marrow test wasn't bad, so we didn't have to do the whole AML, which is the lesser of the two leukemias. But uh, still, she had very critical low white blood cell count. She had low platelet levels. Uh, she was in the hospital for about three weeks, and within 24 to 48 hours, she had a port put into her chest where uh, the immediate process of chemotherapy took place for my daughter at the age of two and a half. Um, not only there was like a little tube that came out of her with a little port and doctors pretty much injected chemo into her 
manually. And then I was asked to do it as a father, as a parent, administering chemo at home twice a day to my daughter to fight off the blast cells with the cancer cells in her blood. Um, that took place, you know, she was under chemo for uh, three years. She went into remission in 2011, which is the good news. The bad news was is that with chemo, especially lower back spinal treatments, uh, there are heavier doses because blast cells or cancer cells tend to hide in the spinal areas in the back, up to the back of the neck and everything. Uh, so they have to do spinal injections every once in a while. And there was a, a pretty strong dose of chemo that was administered via her lower back one day when she was like three. And unfortunately that chemo traveled to the back of her brain. Um, she seized uh, in September of 2009. She, her face got blue, her eyes rolled back in her head. Uh, she was non-responsive. Fortunately, and this is why it's nice to have Tim in the room, there happened to be a fire station five minutes away from where my daughter had her seizure, her first of many seizures for eight, nine years. Uh, the EMTs, the firefighters were there within five minutes, stabilized my daughter. And then by the time they, the paramedic showed up with the uh, truck, they got her to the hospital, which was 10 minutes away. They got the oxygen going into her. They got the all of the necessary things to keep her up and running. And she was there for another three weeks in addition to getting chemo. Sadly, those um, seizures remained in her. Not, you know, not just during chemo, but even when she went into remission, uh, there were head drops. There was non-responsiveness. There were eyes rolling in the back of her head, whole body collapses, other you know, other, you know, breakthrough seizures that we had no clue, what, you know, how to stop them. And for and this, nine years, we could wallpaper this whole house probably with all the meds we brought her up and down on and nothing solved it. And uh, the side effects were horrific, uh, side effects, aggressiveness. And this is in addition to like what Gemma's going through with her son, Thomas, she knows the aggressiveness from like the steroids. Uh, you know, the aggressive behavior, the sleep deprivation, obesity, a lot of other side effects, and then couple in the anti-seizure meds on top of it for my daughter, it was double trouble. And it was like that for eight, nine years. Um, mm. And it took until uh, medical cannabis, uh, which we'll explain a little bit later on in the program, um, a patch on her foot, which is CBD with a very little bit of THC, and then a tincture with like a little drop of CBD with THC on it. It's like an oil. It puts on top of a little chocolate chip that we put into her once a night. And she's been seizure-free now for three and one half years, thanks to medical cannabis. Wow. But uh, to make a long story short, um, she was in a wheelchair in 2017. She could barely walk. She could say one word at a time. She could barely walk. Um, she didn't remember what happened like half hour ago, let alone 10 minutes ago. Um, after the CBD, she started remembering Disney World when she was the age of four. She remembered, she started talking full sentences. She's walking independently. Um, we got her daughter back and granted, she still has some special needs and she's going to probably be dependent with somebody the rest of her life. But we got her daughter back and she is strong and uh, I'm going to hijack my director skills here really quick. And then I'm going to. Oh, you sure. Absolutely. That's why I gave it to you. Thank you. And then I'll let you switch back. Look at that. There she is this morning, ladies and gentlemen, a sophomore in high school, getting ready to go on the bus at 6.50 in the morning. And thank you for all of you guys stopping in, in the room. So there's Ashley. And uh, let me go back to you guys. Yeah. Let's see. Let's go back to Tim here. Let's go back. To she Tim. looks very excited. Yeah. So I'm going let, to let's put, I mean, I'll let you guys do whatever. So that's the so, story. Tim. Yeah. So, I mean, that's amazing. Uh, First of all, the, the the turnaround that she was able to experience with just the medical cannabis, um, it was like the the missing key to the lock, if you will, I guess. Um, Gemma, um, if you want to share a little bit uh, where you are with Thomas. Yeah, so it literally today, actually, we were at the hospital and he was put under anesthetic for his lumbar puncture and they inject the um, chemotherapy into his spine because there was some on his brain as well. Um, and that uh, methotrexate, but that has got some horrific side effects to it. Yes. And he's on another one, uh, Vincristine, which they've had to yeah. lower to 50% right. because that also saw him in a wheelchair. Yeah. Now he has T-cell leukemia and right at the start, his blood count was 
his white blood count was so high that it couldn't stay just in like the veins and stuff so it started collecting and formed a huge mass on his chest i've actually uploaded some scans for you to look at Let's see if we can there we go i can't i don't know how to do this so i got you Hit the, uh, actually, I might be able to do it for you, Gemma. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know how to make I'll go, it. I'll go full screen. There you go. Yeah, so the one on the left was taken the day that he was um, diagnosed, and that huge shaded area in the middle was the mass that was crushing his heart on his lungs. I didn't, know it had, I didn't know it was affecting his heart until recently, actually. They didn't tell me that. Oh I'd been taking him to the hospital, uh, the doctors, for about four months prior to diagnosis, saying that he wasn't sleeping properly. He was very wheezy. He was complaining about pain. And the um, he was bruising a lot. But I, they, my doctors were not supportive enough, and I actually got blamed for causing the bruising. And they very closely came to diagnosing me with Munchausen's by proxy because of this. Thankfully, they found out what it was, but there's no way I'd have wanted it to be this. I got but, you. Um, yeah, he's still on treatment, as I say, and he is currently, they estimate that he should now be finished in May next year. So we finally got an end date for this um, nightmare of, what what did I say it was? I think I said 16th of May next year is the, the end date, supposedly. Wow. Although he's had to have an increased dose of chemotherapy <clears throat> recently for mm -hmm. quite a little while now, actually, because during the start of COVID, there was that many concerns for people with compromised immune systems that they reduced his chemo to about 20, 30% dose, which caused his white counts to go back up Oh. and then they're now having a really hard time getting back onto it so he's he had to have a, a four-week break about just over a month ago because he became neutropenic which means there's no neutrophils and those are what is your natural defense to fight infection and things like that right. and um he had none of those so he had to have a four-week break of absolutely no steroids and chemo so that um, he could allow his bloods to recover. But he, again, the white blood cells started climbing. So they are, he's, I think he's on 110% dose now with the view of going to 120 in two weeks if his bloods are good enough. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, I don't know about you, Jim, but it was like when you're told your child has this condition, it's like having a medical degree imposed on you overnight. Yes. You get given all this Fresh information course. and you're like, what do I do? And at it, first yes. I was taking it in, but then I'm like, right, I need to know what all this is. And having to know what all the blood counts meant and neutrophils and the everything, absolutely everything, every drug. And so that, that's a perfect place to, uh, I, I, that was actually going to be my very first question. And we can go ahead and start with Jim. Um, mm -hmm. What where, what is step one when you hear this information that um, your your daughter is diagnosed with leukemia? Yeah, it was. We thought she broke. We, we thought our daughter broke her arm. We were at a, a party with a bunch of our friends a couple of weeks before, or a week before that, and downstairs, all the kids between one and fifteen were all downstairs in this basement, roughhousing and everything, and having fun and. All of the adults were all having wine and beer and snacks upstairs and everything like that. But each of us would go downstairs and check on it, and everything seemed to be fine. So one morning we were taking our daughter over to my sister-in-law's house in the morning before we we're heading to the office, and we tried to put Ashley's winter coat on, and she let out a scream like you would never believe. It was on a Friday, I remember this, like on December fifth, and in two thousand eight, and she let a loud scream. She couldn't even put her arm; she couldn't even bend her arm like this because she was in so much pain and discomfort. And we thought she had a fractured elbow. So mm -hmm. we took her, um, you know, to get a, uh, you know, to like media care and uh, get an x-ray and there was no fracture or anything to speak of. So we went to get a second opinion. She was still in pain. We went to a second place and they were in triage because so many people had the flu in December. 
that year. Mm -hmm. um, they came back and they concluded that she had a fractured elbow and go to a pediatrician the next day to get a, they put a soft cast on it and they said, we'll get a hard cast the next morning. And we don't remember her ever getting hurt. And the thing that I remember my wife said, I bet you Gemma did the same thing when Thomas got diagnosed. The first mm -hmm. thing that we ask for are blood counts. Wherever, any kind of childhood injury, when you go to immediate care, we go wherever, emergency room, whatever. The first thing is, is we want blood counts. The um, healthcare provider that we went to um, that concluded that she had a fractured elbow, we insisted and we demanded blood counts. They denied us the right for blood counts. They said they weren't able to do it. So we refused to get the cast put on her. So that weekend was one of the longest weekends of our lives, or at least at the time we thought it was. Um, a friend of ours, um, my wife's like old softball teammate who was, uh, um, uh, who was a lawyer, um, had a friend who was a doctor at, a, um, at another healthcare provider. So we went out of network to get counts at two in the afternoon on December 8th of 2008 hmm. at two o'clock. So we got the counts. We were like, okay, we all got that done. We're going to be all set. Everything's going to be good. So we were like, okay, we're going to go Christmas shopping. We're going to go over to Deer Park and go Christmas shopping. And mm -hmm. then I'm calling my wife back in her car. And then all of a sudden, we get a, my wife gets, gets a call. Your daughter's platelet and white counts are critically low. Get her to the emergency room immediately. Wow. So we my wife is like trembling, shaking, scared. Something is seriously wrong. So we did an about face, went back to the emergency room at the hospital, went to base seven in the emergency room, uh, met Dr. Kwan and Dr. Goodell from the Advocate Healthcare Network over in Park Ridge, outstanding um, oncologists. Um, and within an hour and a half, uh, they found blast cells and they told us in the room at 7.45 p.m. on December 8th, that your daughter has leukemia. And um, we were just both in shock. And uh, it was, the I think this is what you guys talked about a couple of weeks ago, Tim, on your program. It was the shock, anger, grief, mm -hmm. denial, and hole within. The five stages of grief, yep. Five stages of grief within minutes. Within yeah. minutes. It was such a blur. We stayed there in that hospital for at least two weeks. Um, and everything changed forever. Our lives have never been the same. Even to this day, things haven't been the same. Sure, sure. It's, it's, I think everybody in this room, whether, I mean, not just Jeff and myself and you, Tim, but everybody in this room has had one of those catastrophic, either a catastrophic illness, a catastrophic change in your life, or something that is burning your shoulders, and it's a life changer. Lucia's yeah. gone through it. I'm sure Leslie's gone through it. All of you guys in here have done that. That was just, like I said, my um, one of my friends looked at it. He says, you know what? In your world, he says, on a ruler, I have a ruler. Where's my visual aid? Here we go. If you have a ruler, or pretend this is a newscast on TV. If this is a 30-minute newscast on TV, this much of it, all of this is going to be around Ashley or leukemia, or in this case, Thomas. Mm -hmm. All of this is the rest of what's in your mind over here just this little small area right here everything else is moved this That's... is all about getting your child back up to full strength or in a newscast a half hour newscast 28 minutes of it are going to be about your, your child the other yeah. minutes of it is everything else in the world that's a that's a really great way to put it um yeah and i i myself hadn't thought about it like that um like you guys have um so if you're just joining us uh this is Jim in Chicagoland. You know, you all know him well. Um, him and Gemma are sharing their stories of getting the news that their child was diagnosed with leukemia. <clears throat> now, in this uh, episode, we're, we have two people in the broadcast with uh, the similar diagnosis. This doesn't have to be the case. I mean, it, it, there's a range of childhood diseases, illnesses and everything out there. This is for anybody that's willing to listen to uh, the stories and, and anybody that wants to share, you can always drop us a line um, and we can talk about it. Um, quick update real quick for the for the folks just joining. I am at my firehouse. Well, this isn't my firehouse. Um, <clears throat> I got called into work tonight. Uh, we had a line of duty death here in Frederick County yesterday so it's kind of an all hands on deck thing so if you see me 
I am actively on duty right now. If you see me exit the room and uh, without word, <clears throat> then I have to run on a call. But Gemma and Jim have it under control and uh, we'll get through with the rest of the stories. Um, that being said, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and bring Gemma up again. What was step one like for you when you got the news? Um, what, I, you had mentioned that you wanted to learn as much information as you could. Um, was there anything yeah. um, in particular that caught your interest or caught your uh, eye the most? That, like, did, it wasn't until I think at least 24 hours after I was told that I started to finally accept it at first. Like, I remember going back to the doctor after and apologizing because I'd said, I told him he didn't know his job. He was wrong. My child did not have cancer. It was absolutely, he was talking crap. Um, but then when I started to see, they told me that he, that he had less than a week to live if we did not get him hooked up to that medication. And normally they said they would do, um, they would put him to sleep test the bone marrow and um, find out which one it is and treat that way. But they said because of the mask on his chest, they can't do that because it's too dangerous putting him to sleep under anaesthetic. So they started treating him with very high dose steroids and he became unwell very, very fast. Um, I've got a couple of pictures here to show you. So Bob, that one off. Yeah, right. the mood swings are what really right. either he's all or nothing, he's like completely out of mm. it, or he snaps out of it and just gets yeah, like, there's no middle. So he became really poorly, and there he's got like oxygen and everything on because he couldn't breathe. Um, I think the mass knew that it was being attacked by the drugs, and it was like and it just stopped him being able to breathe properly. Um, and then we've got this one here. Oops. and then um, mm. that was i think perhaps day two or three of um, being diagnosed and it's when i saw him i started to accept it and that's when i was like yeah okay now i need to know what we're doing here i need to learn more about this and find out what's going on um it it really was like in like having to learn a whole medical degree overnight and i was given countless leaflets and booklets and things and they gave me a file and the file it was so thick of information and i'm just like and i don't think i slept for maybe i mean you don't sleep very well in hospitals anyway but i don't think i slept very well for a while right right because i wanted to learn what was going on i thought i need to know what i'm dealing with here and I don't know. Um, I mean, he was taken to the hospital originally because he had a rash. He'd had a bit of a kickoff because he didn't want to go to school. And he'd had a, a rash that appeared. And it was like, I'm just up, literally uploading them now so that I can show you. Sure. But it was suspected meningitis that we took him in for. Now, here we go. This is the one. I couldn't upload them properly either. So he got a rash from about the mid-waist oh, yeah. up. And I put the glass over it and thought, because my first thought was meningitis. And when it didn't disappear under the tumbler, I thought it's meningitis. And when I took him in, they thought that that was that at first, but then they fairly quickly ruled it out with it being only from the mid-waist up. So they said, we, we, we don't know what it is, but we're just going to run some bloods just to check. And it's then they put me in the, um, it was like the cat ward for the clinical admissions. And it's like before they know where you're actually going to go. And, um, and that brings us back to those blood counts that Jim was talking about. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the importance of the blood counts there. Yeah, but um, yeah, they they told me straight away that it was leukemia. They said they didn't know which. They had to do the bone marrow tests to find out which one 
which is why I had to wait nearly a month before I knew because they had to get on top of that mass on his chest before they could put him to sleep to find out which one. And they said, that's fine, we're going to do that. But the risk of doing that is when we test to find out if he's high or low risk for a relapse, it will come back with a false positive and it will mm -hmm. say low risk because we've already started to treat it. So we will never truly know if he's high or low risk for a relapse. We're just going to have to hope it doesn't happen. Um, but so, here, certainly here, the treatment is three and a half years for a boy, uh, three years for a girl. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And they used, right at the start, I think he was on about six or seven different chemotherapy drugs and um, and a steroid on top. Yeah. Um, his favorite one was a red one because it made him pee red. <laughs> and because they were monitoring his output and input, he had to like wee into these wee jug things. Mm -hmm. And because we were in so, like total isolation, there was like a double door you had to go through. And then in the bathroom, it literally looked like a fridge that you put it in and then they could get it from the other side. And uh, he would he would very matter of fact announce. He says, "There's some red wine in the fridge for you." <laughs> to the uh, nurses. So he kept so a he, he kept a good like spirit that. there. He did um, actually. Um, I've got loads of photos of going through to show as well. But um, yeah, he did. When he started picking up, I think as soon as they started getting on top of that mass, he started picking up. This one is maybe this photo here is maybe just over a week after the treatment started mm -hmm. and he was sat up and he was pretty lively then but again it's when they started hitting him with different treatments and different drugs and different chemotherapy it knocked him differently um his appetite was like he was eating more than i could eat in a week and he was piling yeah, the weight on. Down also. Mm. Um, so, his mood and everything. Oh gosh, the mood yeah. swings were just oh. This picture is how long into it? I'm sorry. Oh, That's wow. about just over a week after he started the treatment. Mm. Mm. And he picked up really well. Um after that. Let me get some more um this one here now i haven't shown this one very much because he was very ill but this one here was maybe about three weeks into it oops i i, I got you <laughs> sorry yeah, um, and the steroids really took hold um and because as well they couldn't put him to sleep to put his central line in he had terrible veins you can see how sore his hands are and uh, yeah. he had, I think at one point, he had five cannulas in, uh, both hands, both feet, and then halfway up the arm as well. Oh. And he couldn't, he was so tall with it. Yeah. Um, but now they've gone and put his central line in. It's a lot better for accessing, but occasionally, like today, he didn't want it. He was having none of it. But he, he did in the end because he. I think he's come to terms with the fact that you know what I have to have this now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's so, how I knew he was getting better as well because before he'd just lay there and they would do whatever they wanted and he wouldn't flinch. And yeah. it's when he started fighting, and it was like, no, you're not touching me. No, you're not doing that. I knew he was getting better. Right, um, right. So this brings us uh, or brings me to. You know this the the mental health portion of the show here. The mm -hmm. what what did this do to uh, the two? You we'll go ahead and uh, bring Jim back uh, for to start. Um, you and your wife Maureen, uh, how how did you accept this? What what um, what was your mental health like for the first you know couple months? And how did it how did you uh, you know cope and maybe uh, get into a better mind frame uh, after acceptance? Yeah, I think it was one of those things where when you get a, I'm going to show you the, uh, I'm usually a visual graphic here. I mean, I think, I think, I think we, I think uh, Gemma can echo this uh, uh, as well. Um, you feel victimized. 
You're like, why me? Why my son or my my son or my daughter, depending on you know Jenna's case, you know. Yeah. And uh, and it was it's to a day to a degree it's still like that to this very day for us. I think um, when you get a piece of paper that says your 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 child has leukemia and then all of a sudden your life changed forever within a week or within hours and then you get this piece of paper handed to you showing you all the procedures that are going to be done and all of the injections and the scans and pretty much all of that. Um, Gemma mm. can probably- I recognize all of those things nearly. <laughs> yep. And all of a sudden, like Gemma says, you suddenly become a, uh, a, a like one of them, like a doctor. You become mm. a notarian on all this stuff. And to answer your question, Tim, as far as the mental health part of things, um, I was a wreck. I, I think I'm still a wreck to an extent. I still think I am suffering from that post-traumatic end of things. Um, I became more short-tempered uh, because there were things like in this case for my daughter, I had no control over. Prior to that, I was the father figure. I had the control. I was the breadwinner. I was the one that had to say, you know, all of a sudden, all of those things were pretty much taken out of my hand. It was frustrating. Um, I had to learn patience very quickly to expect the unexpected very quickly, uh, to not be spoiled very quickly, to be humbled very quickly. Um, I needed to start learning to listen because if I didn't listen, my daughter's life depended on it. So uh, that was just the tip of the iceberg. And I still think to this day, um, it's still a, for my wife and myself, it's still a day-to-day -day process for us. Absolutely. Do you ever get over the worry of it coming back? Yes, every day. Yeah, I always look over my shoulder thinking something bad's going to happen, not just with my daughter, yeah. but every facet of life. I do yeah. that. I cannot lie. I would be lying to you. I come across as, yeah. oh, James, Mr. Positive, Mr. Ultimate, you know, which I am. I love cheering people up. I love listening to people's stories, doing what I can to do whatever I do here in, in the office or around the house, around the block, over here on the court, wherever. But um, they can always come back. But you mm -hmm. can't. At the same time, you can't live scared either. You have to go out and do the things you want to do. Obviously, COVID put things mm. back a little bit for all of us. But man, when she went into remission, you know, that was just, you know, party time for us. And then the seizures kind of kept us humble. So we had to be close to home mm. at the same time. But when she was seizure free, we were going downtown. <laughs> we were at the Chris Kittle market. We're going to the American Girl store. We're having, you know, we're going up, you know, we're, we're going up to Summerfest, we're doing state fairs, we're going to Arizona, we're going to Florida, you know, oh, yeah. and then COVID happened and here we are. So, uh, so yeah. with the seizures, uh, you had mentioned earlier um, how the, the uh, medical cannabis has helped uh, improve things, you know, so much. Um, can you share with us and uh, the audience, the replay viewers, all about Ashley's Law, please? Absolutely. Well, funny, right when you said that, right on cue, there she is in the comments field. There's Sonar, a.k.a. my wife. That's Maureen Ashley in the comments field. That's my wife. So she's going to uh, make sure that she will she will be my agent. She will uh, correct me when I'm wrong. But uh, <laughs> So basically what happened was is back uh, when we – Went, we went to a homeopath, the, the late Dr. Tony Bark in Evanston. Uh, she saved our daughter's life single-handedly. Um, she brought her onto a, our daughter onto a keto diet. Uh, she pretty much steered her away from all the carbs and the fast foods and my bad cooking to an extent. And um, pretty much uh, changed our lives and our daughter's life most importantly. And um, the trick was, is she was on like three different western meds back in back in 2017 and this isn't a slam on any of them at all because uh, western meds have saved so many children's lives and so many adults lives too for that matter it mm. just didn't happen to work for our daughter so we had to slowly bring her down from the western meds and then slowly with the help of dr bark and some others bring up the medical cannabis and try to measure all that stuff out so it was a very fine line. And of course, the uh, healthcare provider uh, that we went to at the time, we asked them for help. And of course, they see it as a cash grab. They're seeing money le leaving their hands. And they said, we're not going to help you. You're on your own. Homing, bringing her down on the, their meds and bringing her and replacing them with 
something that's more healthy and more natural, not pre-processed. And of course, granted that a lot of these meds that my daughter was on were all FDA approved, of course, they just didn't happen to work for our daughter. So that's why right. Dr. Barker <clears throat> initiative to help her and set her on this monthly schedule. So we were, Marie, correct me if I'm, hey, there you go. And I said low carb and even reduce, yeah, even the low carb diet reduce the seizures. That's wow. that fact right there. That's totally the fact right there. So it was the combination of the, the diet and um, the- Initially, yes. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, and that was, so it was a kind of a, like I said, it was kind of a, a hybrid. It was mostly CBD based. Um, she, it wasn't like gummies. It wasn't like the stereotype of rolling up a joint or doing a bong head or anything like that. Right. It was literally a little bit smaller than this. In the morning, we put a full patch on her, under one of her feet. Mm -hmm. And then at night, it's oh, like yeah. maybe a half of it felt that much. So, so oh, wow. essentially that regulates her lower body. And then for a while we did like the lotion too on her wrist around 10, 30, 10, 45. So that slowly, gradually reduced the seizures. There was one little breakthrough that she had when we were about, my wife and I were gonna go downtown. We were about to get on the train and it actually seized. We got home, we did the emergency med and within minutes she was fine and just resting on the couch and she slept for a couple of hours. And then since then, knock on wood, you know, we're not going middle desk here. Everything's been fine. Mm -hmm. um, as she needs a blend of CBD and THC, as my wife says, and the need to repair the receptors to take in the CBD to stop those compulsives. Exactly. Ah, yeah. So I that's see. what it is. And again, she's more medical than I am. Please subscribe to my wife, Maureen. Uh, she's not only my best friend, but she's uh, been with it with me for 24 years and three weeks so far. So, um, but just to back up really quick, um, the, sure. the big, biggest obstacle came along when Christmas break or so when winter break was over and school was going to start again. My daughter was on medical cannabis. And as you know, cannabis is a felony. It's a federal offense. Mm -hmm. So we called the school nurse and said, hey, listen, just an FYI. You know, instead of you having to call up 911 every day to get a paramedic to come to school and Ashley's like, you know, face down on her desk or having a, a non-responsive seizure at school every other day, she's now seizure free. We tried her out for two, three mm. weeks. We should still have like an aid to shadow her just in case, but she's on medical cannabis. Can we have that on, can we have her on school grounds? And it was illegal on school grounds. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't that the school district was against it. If anything, our local school district was up in favor of it. They've never seen Ashley so energetic, so responsive, and being able to be more independent. Um, but the school district would have gotten reprimanded by the state because right, the right. state would have been reprimanded by the federal government. So and thus was born. The, uh, well, we our daughter was not, was denied an education. Ah. Uh, she wasn't allowed on school grounds. She was being denied education. So we were like, okay, so do we take this to the next level? So we hired a gentleman by the name of um, Dr. or Dr. His, his, his Mr. Uh, Mr. Glink, uh, Stephen Glink out of, uh, out of Northbrook and in Northbrook, Illinois, here in the States. And, uh, and Steve was instrumental in showing that every child in the state, in Illinois, as well as other states around the country, have the right to an education. They have a right to an education. Absolutely. So the school is actually on our side and encouraged us to take this to court because there were other kids, not just with epilepsy, but other kids with side effects like Crohn's disease or PTSD or chronic pain or other childhood ailments that were being denied an education as well. So mm -hmm. our attorney, basically, we took the school district, the state to court. And we went to the federal, uh, Dirksen Federal Court Building, downtown Chicago. And um, basically because it's a federal level, the judge here in Chicago really didn't have much power to override a federal law, but he managed to issue a temporary restraining order that would allow us some time to kind of maybe create some kind of a state law on a state level 
to allow our daughter and other kids perhaps in the state of Illinois to get a school education with medical cannabis in their system. And the judge even said, it's not like she's rolling up a joint in math class. She's right. literally, it's an unobstructed patch under her sock that goes into her, into her system. At night, we mm -hmm. give her, as my wife just uh, alluded to, um, a little oil, like a little um, syringe. It's a little drop of stuff to put on a dark chocolate chip. And we give it to her at night. And it has a little bit more THC, which is the high part that makes her mm -hmm. sleep better at night. So to conclude, what happened was, is that she got a temporary restraining order in January of 2018 and our daughter was allowed back into school, but temporarily, there was no law that allowed her to do so. Um, the school's attorney asked our judge in court with us, what are we gonna do? Uh, what are we gonna do to help the family? Judge said homework, make it a law. Mm -hmm. Judge Blakey in the uh, Dirksen Federal Court Building, downtown Chicago said, do some homework, make it a law, not just for your daughter, but for other kids in Illinois. So we decided to take that, we ran with it, we went through Senate subcommittees, House subcommittees, got the House and the Senate to virtually unanimously approve it, bipartisan by the way, both Democrats and Republicans did a handshake across the aisle on it, and lo and behold, on August 1st of 2018, Ashley's Law was born. There it is, yes. And that helps, Amazing. that helps not just our daughter, but any child in the state of Illinois who depends on medical cannabis. Mm. You know, if you're a caregiver or a parent and you're licensed to obtain it, Ashley's Law comes into play. Your child has an education and has and That is so amazing that you all uh, did the work. You got it in, in motion. You took it through all of the Congress and, uh, you know, countless hours, I'm sure. Yeah, and it's you, not you, the state capital. It's at a state level, so it's not federal. Right. But the big story was is the following year we met with uh, we met with Governor Rauner back then Governor Rauner in 2018 for the first law, the amended version of Ashley's law, added uh, the ability of you know storing it on school grounds. So suppose mm -hmm. you're a single mom, like let's say you're Gemma, okay, and she's in Chicago. She moves to Chicago. Yes, and maybe uh, <laughs> one day she time to stay here and she can go over to Advocate. Um, so. What happens if Thomas is in school, something were to happen? You know, does Gemma have to drop everything from her job and drive an hour back home or back to the school, get the med and then give it to him? No. Mm. Ashley's right. Law 2.0 allows, again, this has to be a licensed person. Sure. You have to make sure that it, it can be stored on school grounds, but you have to be a caregiver or a parent to do it and to administer. So it's stored in this nurse's office the way that if someone has like, um, they needs insulin for diabetes, they have that there. Now they have medical cannabis there. So any child with medical cannabis with the license from a parent or caregiver has it on school grounds. And it's my, one more quick thing, I'm, not, I'm yapping too much here. My no, you're fine. To the newest law, um, it's now um, school buses too. School, school buses, buses too. Big shouts to Senators Christina Castro, State Representative Bob Morgan, uh, retired representative Lou Lang in Illinois, uh, my, my good friend Iris Martinez, uh, now she is running, uh, she was a former senator, and so many other people on both sides of the aisle, both Democrat and Republican in Illinois, we're very grateful. And and, now, and it hasn't stopped there from what I understand, you guys are still moving forward with more. Um, maybe. And, and keep, <laughs> maybe. Uh, was that a spoiler alert? <laughs> maybe. Well, um, when you mentioned it, we just had legislation passed not too long ago that allows medical cannabis at, at summer camps and at park districts, as my wife just wrote down as well. So wow. um, yeah. we were thinking about taking it to a federal level um, a year or two ago when COVID happened and that came yeah. things. We had some other support from other states that also needed our help, but COVID's taking front and center, but we got all of this in just before the craziness and uh, we're very grateful. And so did you find um, with, with uh, you know, the birth of Ashley's Law and all the work and research and everything that you guys had to do to, to get this into motion, was this kind of like your, your, your grounding or your it, keeping your head on straight? Uh, it gave you that sense of purpose. Okay, we're gonna make some stuff happen here. Yeah. And uh, 
we're going to make some good out of the bad, if you will. And, uh, you know, did that keep you guys in a sound mind? Yeah, I mean, we, I, I would say that is definitely the case because I think there was a bigger picture here. I don't think we were the only ones whose children were denied an education. Think about those who had kids that had chemo or had other childhood illnesses prior to Ashley's Law. Think about where they are right now in their predicament. Uh, they had probably had to get tutors or they had to have, you know, a caregiver live with them or they're tied down. They were denied all of that. Um, this is a stepping stone. There's so much more work to be done, especially on the federal level. And uh, I think we need to take it to the next step um, where, you know, other mm. states, I think other states here in Illinois or in the, in the country are still coming to grasp with it. They, they still haven't been able to push the legislation through as quickly as we did. And I don't know why there's resistance. I'm wondering if it's big government, if it's big business, if it's big farm, if it's the health insurance companies having a handshake. Our next goal is to, we're paying out of pocket for this. When I sit there and you see people on HAPS and other platforms, you know, hustling or begging for money and stuff like that. And I can understand if you're a musician, that is your bread and butter, especially when everything shut down in COVID, you've got to, appreciate great talent on all these live streaming platforms. I'm begging for money simply because we are paying out of pocket for medical cannabis for our daughter. Insurance companies mm -hmm. are denying us any kind of assistance with this. We're paying out of our pocket right now and we would be much better off, you know, we're living paycheck to paycheck right now. Right. And, um, yeah, so that, that's uh, the next step for you guys getting Getting the insurance companies on board. Um, I'm ranting here, but think about this. I think there's an underbelly here, a big handshake between, you know, big government, big farm, and health insurance companies. It's a three-way handshake. And yeah. the little guys like us in here, and I'm sure all of you guys, some of you use medical cannabis or, or even recreational, and you're in that same situation too. And we need to change that. We got to make this a level playing field for everybody around the country. Yeah, I agree. I mm. agree. If it if it can well, pass, fine, and um, along those same lines, Gemma, um, the other hashtag I incorporated with this broadcast was Thomas Fight Tall. Can you fill us in a little bit on that? We'll give we'll give Jim a break there for. <laughs> yeah, um. So I guess for me, because seeing Thomas take all those medications and stuff. Um, he became very, very quickly, went, he went downhill very quick. Uh, he couldn't write anymore. He had, he's had to learn to reuse his hands to write. He lost all of his fine motor skill ability. He couldn't walk. He was in a wheelchair, totally bound in a wheelchair for oh, three months. And it wasn't until the local rugby team said, if you get out of that wheelchair, we will let him walk on our field with the players at the start-up, and that gave him some incentive to do that. But the amount of chemotherapy drugs he had, it was so bad to him that it destroyed his body effectively. So he's sterile now. He'll never be allowed to, he'll never be able to have children of his own. And it's caused many other things. It's caused permanent disfiguration of his feet and toes. Um, his toes, because it caused severe muscle cramps and spasms, his toes have gone like, they're like that, clawed. Mm. And without surgery, nothing that they'll be able to do with that. Just hope it doesn't get any worse. And I thought, like, I didn't realise, and I don't think you ever do, I think you're kind of ignorant to it until you're in the situation of just how many children do get this. And when I was in that hospital, it was absolutely full of children that were sick with leukemia. Leukemia seems to affect more. It's one of the more popular childhood cancers. Um, but like every cancer in in like that exists, it there isn't really a set dose that's separate from an adult. It is some of them are like a milligram per kilogram in weight, and then some of them are just you've got cancer, you need to take that, no matter whether you're a fully grown man, say, or Thomas. And it has destroyed his body. So we set up Thomas Fight Tall after we'd done some, we'd done some fundraising initially. And 
we were we were pretty good at it actually. I, I've always been told I could sell ice to Eskimos. <laughs> um, but they said, you know, do you want to actually make a charity fund of your own? And I, I we spoke about it, and I said, do you know what? Go on. And that charity was born on the 17th of September, 2020, which was his seventh birthday. It was a seventh birthday thing because he wanted to help other children on his birthday. And we have currently raised nearly £5,000 in one year. We're not quite up to the £5,000 mark, so I'm giving it one last push. And I'm currently in talks with um, a place that I am absolutely petrified of heights. Like, why do they make everybody that is tall scared of heights for a start? But anyway, um, so I'm talking with a place that does abseiling and I am going to abseil down a huge building to raise money for this charity. Um, last time, I've only ever tried to do abseiling once when I was at school. And I got up, connected up, and I completely freaked and said, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and uh, the, kind of the same question that I had for Jim there, uh, did, did, did setting up uh, the charity in any way help you? Is that Thomas now? <laughs> it is. My, he doesn't sleep. That's what I mean. The medication, he's on him again, and he's just not asleep. Um, did, do you feel like that gave you that? that drive, that, that mental soundness? It did, because honestly, when he was diagnosed, I felt completely helpless. Anything that I want to give him, like even just pain medicine, like the Calpol, paracetamol, things like that, I have to ring and ask permission to give my own child medication. I can't just give him it. Mm -hmm. And he's not, ibuprofen's lethal. Um, then there's paracetamol, which I have to have to ask because they say it can mask a fever and they don't want to mask a fever just in case he's brewing something. So they give him dihydrocodeine. So he's already on opiates from five years old. And you know where I stand with all that because of my own thing. So I try not to give him it. But being feeling, because I'm on my own with him and I feel completely helpless, constantly like like I'm not doing enough for him, like I can't do enough for him. And that was like a way of not only giving back to those that had helped us, but giving me something to do. And like, I don't know, like, I said to myself, if I leave this world, would anybody know that I'd ever existed? Would anybody know that I'd done good? So yeah. for that, it was like, for that, that thing even yeah, crossed okay. your mind, Gemma, because you are doing the work of two, and you and Thomas collectively are more brave than anybody else I know. Oh, thank you. That means so much. Um, I second that. Oh, thank you. Um, it is hard. It really is, especially when I've got my own health battles, and I have many a time put off my own appointments and my own health for him. Yeah like Jim was explaining with the ruler, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, one thing I wanted to ask Jim actually, uh, one thing I've noticed in Thomas since the medication's been going up, um, I don't know if it's like the start of a seizure or anything, but Thomas has started over the last maybe two months, just under, he'll start rapid blinking and as though he's just zoned out for just a few seconds, it's just like you can say Thomas, Thomas, and he's just boom, not with it at all. And it usually coincides with when he's had methotrexate. He has methotrexate every Saturday orally, oh, and then every twelve yeah. weeks in is the worst. Ugh. And it seems to coincide with that one is it is worst. So he's had it today. So uh, probably over the next few weeks, he starts the rapid blinking. Um, yeah. uh, maybe for a, a minute or two and then when he's done that he'll like seem to stare off into yeah. space yeah. and is just completely zoned out the spaciness mm -hmm. yep yeah. and like I don't know whether that's something else that's coming with this or what but I, I don't know it's it, it 
methylprednisone is the worst of all the ones that we did for our daughter, including the spinal injections, which had mm. one instance way too much methyltrexate. But um, once you get past that hurdle, and my wife can confirm this for me, I think that was the once we were off that you know once the schedules you know the visits weren't every week or every month, it was every two months, and the methyltrexate was like almost out of the picture by then. It was just regular chemo. Yeah. Oh, we've been told that we'll have methotrexate <sighs> right, sorry about that, right to the end. I'm keeping him off camera because he's come in and just did pants, so I'm not going to, like, go there. <laughs> I'm the same way, too. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just uh, yeah. full right up in the waist. But, um, <laughs> he's, yeah, he, he's got to have methotrexate right to the very end. Um, oh, okay. Unfortunately, he has oral methotrexate every Saturday. Right. At 110% dose mm -hmm. and the intrathecal spinal methotrexate every 12 weeks. And he's just had that now today. So wow. I'll notice more issues over the next few weeks. So uh, we're coming up on the hour here. Um, I have uh, one last question here for Jim, but first let's. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I just wrote in the comments there, uh, if you guys want to help Jim and Jim get the word out and Maureen, um, use the hashtags Ashley's Law and Thomas Fight Tall and you can share this broadcast out. Um, maybe if, if you want, you want to make it collaboration of the week. I don't know. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> but we're definitely. My uh, name's on it. It won't happen. We're definitely trying to get the, uh, the word out there. And uh, I know. Jim and Maureen are still pushing forward with Ashley's Law. Uh, Gemma just said she's still making a push with Thomas Fight Tall. So please uh, feel free to share this broadcast out on your socials. Get the word out there for them and help fight the good fight. Uh, Jim, my last my last question uh, before we close it out. And Gemma, you can add in uh, after the fact as well if you'd like. Whoops. Um, what? Any, any advice uh, at all for parents that are just finding out this news? Um, what, what would you say to them? If your child gets diagnosed with not with just leukemia, but with any like life-threatening illness or anything like that, uh, the key thing is is um, you know you're going to go through those 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 five stages of you know the anger, grief, denial, all of that, etc. You're going to go through that whether you like it or not. Um, but the important thing is, is that you're not alone. You feel like, I mean, because every instance is going to be different. Every illness is going to be different. Like Gemma's leukemia treatments with Thomas are different than what I went through with Ashley to an extent. But there's also a common bond as well. The key thing here, guys, is, is that if you yourself, and I know many of you in here have, um, you know, your health is compromised to some extent. So you've got through this. I'm not going to lecture nobody because you guys in here are more brave than I will ever be. But what I can do is, is that you're not alone. And Tim can attest to this. Gemma, you can attest to this as well. There are people who will listen, mm -hmm. who will learn from you, and will support you. You're not alone, guys. And I learned that through not only the network of outstanding people, all the oncologists, nurses, doctors, child life specialists, but you also learn who your real friends are. The real right. friends, like your real neighbors, will still support you. They brought, we had like meals for like a month delivered to our house from neighbors around the neighborhood. I didn't, my, my wife and daughter weren't subjected to my bad cooking for like 60 days, which was nice. Unfortunately, it came at a cost of my waistline. But the thing is, is that you'll know who your friends really are. Right. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, you have, surround yourself with people who listen, who want to learn from you, who want to support you. And you'll learn that while the track, while the road will be very difficult, there'll be many ups and downs as Gem is going through, with I'm still going through, and wait to Tim and all of you guys are still going through. Mm -hmm. You are not alone. Jump on Tim, jump on with Gemma, support them, and and they will be there for you too. And Lucy is out there with us as well. Um, yeah, we're just trying to bring some more, bring mental health more up to the front, and uh, and let everybody. Uh, kind of into our world a little bit just to reinforce what you said that you're not alone. Uh, I got a blurry camera. I had a new camera. <laughs> God, all blurry. Maybe that's good. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Jim. Uh, you know, you guys know to catch Jim Tuesday. Well, that's going to change here. We'll let you do I a little know. plug here. I should, I should make my announcement one. Yeah. I'm a little bit late tonight, but uh, big changes are coming uh, to the fall here on HAPS. Uh, I'm still going to be on HAPS. I'm not one of those that's jumping onto some other other live streaming networks so they can. I, I hope you're not taking Catalyst I mean, away I'm from me. I'm a HAPS person for life. And um, Tuesday starts softball. Uh, okay. So ball snatchers run Tuesday. So it won't be on live Tuesdays anymore. Uh, Wednesday, it's Adelaide. Um, it's, it's a chance for you to see a warm fire pit or a candle, depending on the weather. Uh, if you're really lucky, uh, or I, I should say that this is what happened last night. Normally, there's a fire pit under this thing. Oh. Uh, we had a little 60 mile per hour line wind come through during Catalyst last night. I woke up to this this morning. Oh, yeah, no. Catalyst swing on top of the Catalyst fire pit. Um, we will rebuild. We will rebuild. <laughs> we'll get, a, get them back out there next week. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're doing um, Catalyst Wednesdays, 11 to 8 Pacific. It's a chance for you to vent, to let go of your stress, your anxiety, your uncertainties. Uh, it's a place to talk. Hey. And, uh, and yawn. Um, we help <laughs> better at night, too. We had, it's a warm candle last night. People loved it. Thursdays, I'm coming back to Thursday nights, guys. Um, I'm happy to report that the JS Live Talking Variety program will be back. Uh, surprise guests, Chris Rossetti and Jay Forsyth will be doing some stuff with me on the site as well as regulars. I'm excited. We're going to revitalize Thursday nights. And for all of you football people, yes, we are doing football again Thursdays. Yes, the people who brought you Thunder Huddle on Periscope and Thursday Night Roundtable. <laughs> Oh, it's okay, Jeff. It's okay. We'll talk. We'll talk about. Uh, we'll do uh, Premier League another time. Uh, <laughs> but American football, yes, we're going to be doing Haps Huddle, announcing Haps Huddle here on Paris or on Haps right. coming up in September. So it'll be our talk show, one hour long, done, and then we're going to do an hour of football, strictly fantasy football summaries, analysis, predictions, all of that. It'll be fun. And then Saturday, of course, is trivia night. Saturday is trivia night. Um, Almost uh, three years old now. God bless the catalyst porch, though. Get you back out there hopefully next week. Uh, That is one of my favorite broadcasts on the platform. If you uh, you guys don't know, I'm sure you all do, but fire pit, uh, good way to decompress in the middle of the week. What better time to get you through those last two days? And uh, Jim, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for Thank sharing. You. My apologies for my bloody, blurry camera. I should have, like, when I got let go from my job earlier, this, I should have taken their camera and given them this one. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, and on behalf of Jim and I both, uh, thank, you. thank you for, for the time. Thank and Miss uh, Maureen, thank you for letting us have him for an hour there. <laughs> she made beefs for me. And I made some Italian beef upstairs. <laughs> Uh, we, we'll let you go and get some food. Um, and well, I think, is Thomas there? Does he want to say hello? He is. You can hear him yawning. Come on, Thomas. You can't be bothered. You can't be bothered. He's just sprawled out here. <laughs> I'll just show you these then really quickly because he's not going to pop up. He popped up a minute ago. Um, where are they? Oh, there, there he is. There he is. In the my pants on. Oh, sorry. Right, this one was really quick. That was when he lost his hair to the chemo. Oh boy. Yep. And then this was today. Oh gosh, they're not going away. This was today after his anesthetic. Literally just still asleep. Yeah. Now he's wide awake. Yeah. <laughs> I got asleep, and then this, this one, the other day. So he's doing well. He's, uh, he's certainly doing well. He sounds tired. Thomas, you are the man. Thank you for the information. But yeah, he's doing well. He's just not doing what we are on at a time. 10 past two nearly, so yeah. Oh boy. Well, let's go ahead and get him to bed. Let's get Jim fed. And uh, thanks everybody for being here. I appreciate all always. And uh, like I said, please share share this out on the socials and uh, get the Get the and word thank out you to there. everybody in this studio audience, the virtual studio audience. Without you guys, uh, we would be here. And um, 
make sure you guys subscribe to both Gemma and Tim, please. They're great hosts, and make sure you check out the Mental Health Hour every week here on HAPS. All right, guys. It was good seeing everybody, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Next week, we'll be back on Wednesday at 6 p.m., right before Catalyst. If anybody right. wants to ask any questions or anything, I'm just putting a bio link in now. We made it, and there is a form on there that you can send us stuff, and it's totally anonymous. So there you go. It's all in there. Yep. Feel free to drop us a line anytime. All right, guys. Thanks again. We'll see you guys. Thank you.